Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to a brand new series of Germany in Focus, a news podcast made possible by members of The Local. Today we're getting into what's been happening in the last few weeks and the best story of the summer. We're explaining why the German Chancellor is wearing an eye patch and encouraging people to make up memes. The German government is making it easier for people to change their legal gender. We explain what the changes are and hear from a spokesperson from a trans advocacy group. Lastly, are foreigners arrogant if they don't speak German in Germany? We're getting into this controversial topic and hearing what readers of The Local have said about it. I'm Rachel Loxon and I'm in Berlin today with the amazing journalists Aaron Burnett and Imogen Goodman. Hello to you both. Welcome back. Hello. Hello. We're recording this on Wednesday, September the 6th. Guys, how was your summer? Yeah, it's been good, although I have to say it's gone incredibly fast. I kind yes. of, at the start, I expected to be out every day. I thought there'd be bike rides, going to the lake. I haven't done as much of that uh, as I'd like, actually. <laughs> it's just kind of slid away from me. But I'm quite hopeful that we're going to have some good weather this month. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe it might feel like summer's getting extended a little bit and I'll have a chance to do all of those things that I forgot to do yes. <laughs> back in August and July. It started off well. Sneaking up on us quite as quickly as we would fear. Perhaps. Yes, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah, no, it's it's great to be back. It's been a wonderful summer of lakes, wine, books, and sun, both here and with the family in Canada. But it definitely feels extra special to be back in the booth with you guys. Yes, it's so nice. And listen, guys, I feel like I have, well, I haven't left Berlin at all this summer. Oh, you should fix that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I have actually had plenty of nice swims in lakes. I've been going to an outdoor swimming pool sometimes. So, And, and I had some visitors from Scotland come over here. So I did have a nice summer. Yeah. Nice. Before we get into our discussion, please consider supporting us by becoming a member of The Local. We are an independent media outlet and your support is what allows us to produce the news and all of the cultural background and practical explainer articles that we talk about on this podcast. If you'd like to join, you can find a link to a special offer for podcast listeners in the show notes or you can access it directly at thelocal.de slash podcast offer. So there has been some sun, a lot of thunderstorms. That was a rainy July. And talk of a lion on the loose in Berlin. Yep, it's been a bit of a strange summer here in Germany. Would you guys agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely <laughs> that July was, yeah, was a bit of a blip. <laughs> it was a bit weird. So a lion has. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about some of the big stories. And we do have to recap on the most bizarre story of the summer that sparked a massive search for an escaped lioness, as you said, Aaron. Imogen, can you tell us more about this? 
Yep. I mean, this was a great story and definitely <laughs> a highlight of the silly season this year. Um, and I'm sure it's stuck in a lot of people's heads, both in Germany and abroad. So basically back in July, uh, there were two men sort of out in the early hours of the morning. Not sure if they'd been to the pub or what <laughs> they were doing, uh, but they were in the uh, suburban Berlin district of Zielendorf, which is kind of in the southwest, when they saw what they thought was a lioness chasing a wild boar. Um, so they, they tried to capture this on camera. Obviously, you would, you know, if you see a, a lion in Berlin, it's not an ev everyday occurrence. And they sent some of this kind of grainy footage to the police. And then things just took a very crazy turn. So this sort of footage appeared to show a lioness kind of slouching into the bushes in Seelendorf. And this couple of seconds of video basically sort of sparked a 48-hour lion hunt and this huge media storm. <laughs> Uh, so we had helicopters scouring the area. We had hundreds of emergency workers. We had hunters being dragged in to advise the police. There were drones. There were police cars, all just in this quiet district outside of the city. And obviously, residents were also told to kind of stay in their homes. But it, sort of as this uh, lion hunt went on, it became more and more apparent or a little bit more suspicious that they hadn't found any trace of this kind of so-called lion. And on Friday, so after the sort of um, hunt on the Thursday, um, they started to sort of, people started to air their scepticism about whether this animal actually was a lioness or whether it <laughs> might be something a little bit more mundane. So eventually the search was actually called off um, and the mayor of Kleinmachal, where the lioness was supposed to be, um, actually told the press that the latest state of knowledge was that the lion was actually most likely a wild boar. <laughs> <laughs> That is so funny. And actually, I was on holiday on those few days and my friend Claire was visiting from Scotland and we were going to go out to Grunewald on that day. Oh, wow. <laughs> but we were like, what if we find the lion? Oh, God. Yeah, that's um, just your luck. Yeah. <laughs> Running into a lion. Yeah. So we're like, we won't take the risk. Well, no. statistically, especially since uh, the Berlin Zoo and uh, other places said that they had no missing animals, yeah. <laughs> statistically, you would have been more likely to have your laptop stolen by a wild boar <laughs> in Grunewald, as Very happened true. on one infamous mm -hmm. occasion. Yes. <laughs> Aside from the, the wild boar slash lioness sighting, there have been a few big developments since we recorded last time at the end of June. So let's do a little update. Aaron, the immigration and citizenship reforms have taken a step forward, haven't they? A big one, Rach. The German government's draft law on dual citizenship is finally hitting the Bundestag this autumn, along with a whole bunch of the skilled immigration laws. Uh, this is the law that would see a dual citizenship allowed for everyone, including non-EU nationals who want to naturalize as German. It would also reduce the time you need to be resident in Germany for citizenship from eight years to five for most people. A lot of our readers, some of whom have waited literally decades for a change like this, are eagerly anticipating this and may have their applications ready to go for the moment it passes. Now, there's been a lot of delays on this due to negotiations between the different traffic light parties about what should be in this law. We were originally actually expecting to see it hit Parliament last December already. 
And now we're here we are um, almost 10 months later (laughs) having that finally happen. But the Schultz cabinet, so government ministers have finally approved it. So at last it can go to parliament. Now, Bundestag members will be taking some time to go through it and they may have amendments of their own. So this is not sort of the final be all and end all final say on this. Uh, The Social Democrats, for example, want to loosen up some of the requirements for naturalizing citizens not to be taking out certain social benefits, for example. This is something parliamentarians have said that they're interested in looking at and possibly amending. So that may take some time. How long could this all take then, do you think? Well, they may want some changes, but they'll still be under some pressure to get this done. Um, This has already also been been negotiated between the parties as well. So let's see how much room to amend anything they have. The government parties did want these new rules to take effect in 2024. So as of January. So watch for four main dates. Those are the 29th of September, the 20th of October, the 24th of November, and the 15th of December. Those are the dates still this year when Germany's upper chamber or the Bundesrat sits. The government doesn't believe the Bundesrat can block this law, but it still has to pass there after it passes the Bundestag. So if parliamentarians want to get this done in time for 2024, they'll need to get it to the Bundesrat in time for one of these dates. So Mm -hmm. watch your calendars. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, the skilled worker immigration reforms, they have been passed completely by the Bundestag and the Bundesrat. And they'll start coming into force from November, I believe. And we'll talk about those in a bit more detail in a future episode. Let's move on to who's been in the news this week. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz posted a picture of himself on social media looking all beaten up and wearing an eye patch. Pirates of the Kanzleramt. (laughs) There you go. Imogen, what happened to Scholzy? Well, apparently our Chancellor is a very keen jogger and he tends to go on runs uh, actually near his home in Potsdam around three times a week, uh, which makes me feel quite bad about myself. But there you go. Um, so this Saturday or last Saturday, I should say, he was out running um, and ended up having a bit of a nasty fall by the sounds of things. So according to reports in the tabloid Build, he stumbled at some point on his run. He wasn't able to kind of catch himself in time and he ended up falling quite literally flat on his face. Uh, which explains the kind of cuts and bruises and the pirate look that he has been sporting. Not (laughs) just an expression in this case. Exactly. Uh, That must be where it comes from. Uh, (laughs) But thankfully, his his bodyguards were with him at the time. They were able to help him straight away. Uh, But he did actually have to cancel a few appointments on Sunday because of his injuries. Uh, Luckily, he does seem to have seen the funny side of the whole thing and said on social media that he was looking forward to seeing some of the memes of him with his uh, piratey Mm -hmm. eye patch. He has also said that thankfully the injuries look worse than they are. So it sounds like he's already on the mend. What a wee shame. We wish him a speedy recovery. He does look like he's been beaten up. He does, I know, but this it's kind of a tough guy, tough guy look, perhaps. Yeah, no, yeah. Some he's, people he's have said it, it suits him, oddly. But, yeah, uh, yeah, he's giving him a bit of street cred. Yeah, <laughs> Captain Olaf Schulz. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Another politician who's been in the German media lately is the Bavarian deputy state premier Hubert Aiwanger, who is from the Freie Wähler or Free Voters Party. 
Aaron, can you explain why he's being talked about? Well, uh, Süddeutsche Zeitung, which is based in Bavaria and one of the most important and influential newspapers in this country, recently investigated Ayvenga's rumored neo-Nazi sympathies. These rumors have been going uh, around for quite some time. They decided to have a look into them. They ended up linking him to a far-right pamphlet written in the 1980s that, among other things, called for, and I quote here, free flight through the chimney in Auschwitz as a prize for traitors to the fatherland. And that's rhetoric with seriousness that speaks for itself, given this country's history. Now, Ivanga says his brother authored the pamphlet, not him, but that he carried a few copies around in his school bag as a teenager. Uh, his classmates, who Sutoicha Saitung also talked to, uh, say that he regularly himself made anti-Semitic jokes, including on a class trip to Auschwitz. And he often gave, apparently, the Hitler salute in class. That's actually illegal in Germany yeah. to give that particular salute. And they say that he did so repeatedly. That is slightly worrying. What's going to happen to him? Any repercussions? For the moment, nothing. Uh, Ivanga's party, the Freie Wähler, or Free Voters, are the junior coalition partner in the Bavarian state government to Makasuda's Christian Social Union, the CSU being the Bavarian sister party to the conservative Christian Democrats in the rest of the country. Now, the Freie Wähler and the CSU are uh, a lot more politically aligned than any other party that Makasuda could have made a coalition with. Söder called Ivanga's apology to Holocaust victims overdue, but he didn't dismiss him from his job. That said, when it comes to repercussions, it's a bit early to say, really, because we have the Bavarian state election coming up on October 8th. So while Ivanga is still in his job, he and Makazuda's CSU are facing Bavarian voters in a month. Uh, the CSU has a huge lead, 37%. That's more than 20% ahead of their nearest rivals, the Fayavela or the Greens. But based on what happens during this campaign and what role this particular scandal plays in it, it may influence whether or not Zoda repeats the current coalition with Ivanga after October, if it even um, it remains politically possible. So one to watch out for. Thank you very much to both of you. The German government is pushing through a law that will make it easier for people to change their legal gender. We'll hear from a trans advocacy group soon, but first let's look at the planned changes. Adam, can you tell us what the government is doing? So, Rach, cabinet, so again, government ministers have approved a draft law that is fairly liberal compared to other countries and jurisdictions when it comes to legally recognize gender identity. So under the plans, people can go to their local registry office or Bürgeramt and make a simple application to change their legal gender. They don't have to give a reason or medical information for this. Now, minors would also be able to do this, although they would need the consent of their parents to do so if they are between uh, the ages of 14 and 18. If they are under 14, then the parent has to make the request. Uh, there would be a three-month delay to the changes taking effect, and you wouldn't be able to change your legal gender again for a year. Government parties say that's in order to confirm that whoever is requesting the change is actually serious about it and not simply flippant. Uh, this law would replace current legislation that's been on the books for more than 40 years. Current rules 
required transgender people to have two psychological reports before a court decides whether or not to allow them to change their legal gender. Now, in 2018, there was a law that came on the books that sort of complemented this law. It added a third gender option, gender X or diverse. But to make that change, you still needed uh, these uh, psychological reports. This new law that cabinet has just voted in and that will change that so that you don't end up needing these assessments. What happens now? Well, government cabinet has approved this law, but it still has to go to the Bundestag for a vote. So parliamentarians may end proposing their own amendments. Do expect some backlash, particularly from the conservative Christian Democrats who say this change is too sweeping and extreme. Let's hear now from Kalle Humpfner, a policy officer at the Bundesverband Trans Advocacy Group. Kalle explains that the group welcomes the new law as a positive step forward in Germany, but that there are still some clarifications needed from politicians. Now we see a bill presented by the government to the parliament saying there is no need for expert opinions, there is no need for medical certificates. It should be sufficient to go to the registry office and to declare what is the correct gender marker for yourself. So self-determination is the basis for the change and trans, non-binary and intersex people should be able to use this procedure. So we do see some shortcomings in the law. We saw a first draft of the law in May and we actually handed in a statement that had about 30 pages, I think, with our comments to the law. So that was a very legal discussion, I can say. We talked to a lot of experts. We often also talked to our members who bring a lot of lived experiences and say, well, that could be something that is difficult for me in my daily life. And I, I won't talk about all the details, but I will just give like a summary of some aspects that really do concern us. And that, for example, is that refugees, people who don't have um, a permanent uh, permission to stay in Germany, they are excluded at the moment to change the legal gender marker. And we know that going through this procedure, asking for a permission to stay can take years. And without the officially changed legal gender marker, it's really hard in your daily life. That is true for every trans and non-binary and intersex person, because you are always dependent on the person right opposite you, whether they will use your chosen name, whether they'll use the chosen way to address you as Mr., Mrs. or MX or whatever you prefer. And if you don't have this legal support or the possibility to change your legal gender marker, everything in your daily life can become difficult. It's going to the doctor's office, it's going um, to open a bank account or leaving the country, traveling abroad. All these difficult tasks uh, turn into something that is um, stressful or you're open or more um, vulnerable to, to discrimination, so to say. So what else do we criticize? We also look at the situation of minors. For example, the current draft explains that uh, people from the age of 14 can go to the registry office themselves, but they need the support or the, the consent by both of their legal guardians. And we often see that um, this is really difficult in practice because uh, sometimes uh, parents are separated and they have a fight, and one of them maybe is a bit more hesitant to accept the child or the teenager as who they are, and that can be a very, very strong barrier. And 
these um, teenagers, we say, are even more vulnerable because they don't have the support at home. And then to exclude them from the option to change their legal gender marker is a huge risk to discrimination again. Some people have said that they are worried that the the process should just be for adults, that maybe concerning minors is too young. What would you say to that? Well, we see this uh, discussion here in Germany. We see that also abroad in other countries that we're talking about self-determination or introduction of uh, such laws. And we say that it's really important for... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. For people underage to be able to change the legal gender marker. Because without this legal access, they're always vulnerable to discrimination, as I already said. We do see that minors experience a lot of uh, discrimination in their homes, unfortunately by their families, but also at school. And having, for example, teachers calling you by your chosen name is something that is really, really helpful for trans and non-binary minors. We do see in studies that the risk for um, like negative mental health outcomes is reduced when trans and non-binary teenagers are respected in their gender identity. And easy things such as using the correct name and pronouns can help tremendously. And if we help these minors by also giving them access to legal gender recognition, that's something that we should not miss as an opportunity. What would you say to someone who did have a lot of fear around the changes that we are seeing in society at the moment and, you know, young people being able to express themselves more, for example, and then the laws changing and things and some people kind of thinking, what is going on? What is going to happen? Would, would you have any advice for how to deal, how people can deal with that? Well, I see that um, sometimes people think about gender diversity for the first time when they hear about self-determination law. And then I see these reactions of insecurity or some people also feel what is going to happen. But really, we're talking about something in a societal sense, very small in impact. Like this law will have an impact on the lives of trans, non-binary and intersex people here in Germany, for sure especially for people who are still waiting to have a very um, acceptable and respectful access to legal gender recognition. But uh, I doubt that this law will have an impact on people's life in general. I think it's a very positive step when we're talking about democracy and uh, human rights in Germany. It's a very positive step when small groups who are marginalized are respected 
and have access to uh, live up to their full potential in a society. But apart from that, I think um, that uh, self-determination law is something that does not take away anything from anybody. It only helps us to understand how to live in a diverse society. A recent opinion article in the Berliner Zeitung argued that refusing to speak German in Germany is a form of, as the columnist described it, arrogance and colonialism. Unsurprisingly, this sparked a big debate on social media and also among our readers, with many people getting in touch to share their point of view. Imogen, can you tell us a bit about this story? Yeah, um, well, firstly, I have to say hats off uh, to this particular columnist uh, for writing something so perfectly designed to annoy foreigners and also just Berliners in general. Yes. <laughs> um, his argument isn't particularly a new one, um, but he basically was making the point that too many internationals in Berlin refuse to learn German and that foreign acquaintances of his constantly require his help to get through things like official appointments and visits to the GP. One example he actually cited was an American friend who has apparently lived in Berlin for five years, in, in Neukölln, in fact, um, a, a district with a high population of, of foreigners. Um, and apparently this friend needed DeepL, so this online translation tool, just to order a coffee. So yes, this, this does feel quite stereotypical. And in his view, this kind of attitude is common among foreigners and particularly native English speakers. Um, and then it has a colonial tone to it and stinks of arrogance, basically, in his view. As a small olive branch, he did actually admit that German is a pretty hard language to learn, but he also called for just much more effort on the part of foreigners. Um, obviously, as you say, people on social media were pretty upset by this. Quite a few foreigners kind of chipped in to say they tried to learn German, but the attitude of German makes this much harder. And quite a few people also quite validly pointed out that Germans do pretty much the exact same thing in Spain, moving to popular tourist areas and demanding street signs and restaurant menus in their native tongue, in German. And this isn't the first time that this debate has come up, right? It's it's talked about a lot. Absolutely, yeah. The author of the uh, comment piece, uh, a journalist called Martin Weingartner, um, is definitely not the only one to have this opinion. Back in 2017, uh, the former health minister Jens Spahn um, actually did an interview where he moaned about right. the fact that there are waiters in Berlin who only speak English. Um, he said that would never, ever happen in Paris, for example, which... Uh, he's probably right about. But he also said that Germans should expect from every foreigner that they communicate in German. So this is kind of a popular complaint, um, especially among right-wing politicians, that kind of parts of Berlin with a high population of foreigners aren't really Germany anymore, or they're not truly German in some way. I feel like that slightly has quite you know, a racist undertone, but it also has to do with the fact that there are quite a few people who do communicate primarily in English uh, living in the capital. What have been some of the views of the local Germany readers? Well, we actually, as you mentioned, have this really incredible range of responses and genuinely a lot of really nuanced and kind of thoughtful approaches to this and opinions on this. Uh, so a lot of people, in fact, the vast majority did say that they felt 
foreigners should at least speak some basic German if they live here. But there were also some really compelling reasons why people said they've struggled with the language. So one key aspect, which was a powerful point, uh, was that they felt that the integration process, settling in here, should really cut both ways. A lot of people said that if they were actually made to feel more welcome and respected, uh, they would probably feel much more compelled to learn German. I think this was especially the case for people who said they'd experienced racism and discrimination in Germany. They just had lost their goodwill to kind of come closer to, to Germans by learning the native tongue because they felt that they weren't being treated with respect anyway. So another popular view from our readers was that Germany is kind of out of step with the realities of globalization. So plenty of countries are trying to set them up as prime destinations for skilled workers. And usually there's far less emphasis on having to speak the local language. Uh, so for a lot of foreigners in Germany, English is a second language anyway. So they feel like they've already made an effort to learn a language that will help them get by in a foreign country. And why should they then go through the, uh, let's call it what it is, torture of uh, learning this hard German grammar? It can be. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> What's your own opinion on this? Because I feel like everyone has quite strong views on this topic. Aaron, what do you think? Well, it's quite frustrating sometimes, actually, how little room there is for nuance in this debate, it feels like. Ultimately, German, unlike some other languages like Spanish or French, is not a language that many people have the opportunity to learn, much less practice, before actually moving here. Uh, ultimately, the only way to really get better is to practice, which is hard to do if you don't live here. So I come from a German-Canadian family, and even I had to improve my German when I arrived. Uh, so you can imagine what it's like for others who have no previous background or experience. And as Imogen and you have rightly pointed out, German is not the easiest of languages to learn. At the same time, there are harder languages. German is not Polish or Arabic or many of these other kinds of languages. If we are talking about skilled immigration and skilled uh, labor, especially during this episode when we were talking about some of the government's reforms to address labor shortages, many jobs are in English and the government reasons that a Allowing people to learn German when they get here is a perfectly you know, reasonable thing to expect. I personally think that's a fair rationale. Of course, we're not always seeing the same drive to support new arrivals as they navigate the bureaucracy of moving to Germany, which involves a lot of advanced vocabulary. When you apply for your residence permit or you go to the Bürgeramt in English, we know that that can deter people from coming. Germany has been rated one of the hardest countries to settle in, and that's a big part because of exactly this. All that said, <laughs> there is a but. We all know people or know of people who after three years of living here still cannot order a drink at a restaurant in German. Das ist Wahnsinn. That is crazy. I feel like that's an urban myth. <laughs> no, I, do not, I do not think that oh, is Oh, I have true. seen it. I have seen it. Yeah, I've seen it myself firsthand. So it is a thing. And I find that crazy because that vocabulary is pretty simple. And it's among one of the first things you learn the moment you go into a, a, a German class. Aaron, you're sounding very diplomatic there. Well, I, I have heard you take harsher views on this. Well, ultimately, yeah, I do have some harsh views on this. Ultimately, there are some Germans who need to be a bit more realistic about what they expect a recent arrival to be able to do. On the foreigner side here, though, um, on our end, uh, there is also this is also about respect for the country that you are making your home in and that you have uh, chosen to make your home in and learning the language is a part of this. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do feel personally very uncomfortable asking someone or expecting someone 
you know, again, in their home country to adapt to me. That's something I've always personally felt very deeply uncomfortable about. I want to come two steps towards you rather than expecting everyone to to accommodate me. And that's why, you know, I've really been quite forceful about having to learn German, wanting to learn German. I do think, you know, after, if you've been here 10 years, you know, it would be good to, you know, to be able to have basic conversations, holiday German at the very least. At the same time, I've honestly myself developed a complex on this because even at the point where you know you speak C1 or C2 German you get people sort of switching into English the simplest transactions and I really don't see that Germans can have it both ways I do not see that they can constantly say I want to practice my English or constantly translate something like drei euro to three euros and then complain about people not not <laughs> somehow being fluent in German. Well, sorry, I think you might need to there give people a chance to try these simpler interactions. And when those work out, that is a stepping stone to then move on to better things. Absolutely. I Definitely. At the same time, on I find on my side as a as a learner, I, I had to insist sometimes. Yeah. Even in very um, simple cases, because that's the best time to practice. So I mean, they sometimes respond in English, and then you respond back in German, and you sort of insist. You look at them, and you're like, no, yeah. <laughs> we are not speaking English right now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, after a couple of times, they will often, you know, get the message. And I understand that some people might be a little bit uncomfortable having to be that insistent, mm-hmm. but sometimes what that's what you need to do. In my own view, does everyone need to be able to read Goethe's Faust? No, I don't. I don't think so. I wouldn't go that far. But I think being able to get around in daily life, mostly on your own after two or three years here is an important goal that is worth the effort. I don't think it should be controversial to say so. I think is really interesting what you both have said. I like how you have chosen violence today. (laughs) No, but seriously, you have been quite diplomatic and I kind of agree with what you're saying. But honestly, I think it's a bit of a myth that people refuse to speak German. Lots of foreigners might have good reasons for not learning German, as we've heard from some of our readers. Like they're maybe not in Germany for a a very long time. If you're going to be here for two years, maybe you don't need to learn German. I kind of get that, but I also see this this big kind of class element to it, and I see it on both sides. So this oh, th- this idea, everyone in Berlin speaks English, every German speaks English, well, no, actually. Um, if you have, if you, you know, someone at the recycling hall for BSR, or some people working in shops, I have met plenty of people, particularly older people, who did not learn English in school. Maybe they were in the former GDR, they learned Russian, and their English is not good and this expectation that everyone is university educated and speaks perfect, you know, globalized German is, is I think, unfair. But I also see the class element on the other side, because some people just feel they don't feel confident learning languages. Um, and they hear all the time, German is impossible, German is so hard. And they develop this huge block about it. And I can see that in, in, in friends that I have who have been here over a decade. And, you know, German learning has become this big albatross. <laughs> it's kind of around their neck that they do not want to face. And mm. the longer they are here and the more they struggle, the more they feel it's just not possible for them. I yeah, think- I don't think that... I don't- I don't think that anyone expects Germans to speak English. I would disagree with you there. I think everyone knows that not everyone 
speaks English. And I honestly, from my own experience, from speaking to foreigners, I honestly don't think that that's what people expect. I feel like we have had surveys where people have, have been quite quite surprised. Okay, that the, immigra- a, the, the immigration a, office, I think people but, have said that. Well, but even in, in you know, in a small Bavarian village, oh, I'm, I'm just astounded that people aren't speaking English here. You know, they're, oh, they're, come on. This is, no, this has, this is, these are opinions that I've read. I I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's, maybe a, a, a popular or completely widespread opinion, but I do think there is this sense, this is the lingua franca, why don't more Germans speak English or that there should be some obligation for Germans to then kind of adapt to foreigners rather than the other way around. I don't think a lot of people had similar opportunities to people who do speak fluent German. For example, being able to like study abroad or have maybe some good language education. British people in particular get really bad language Mm. education, Mm. much to our annoyance as British people. Mm. (laughs) And I just think a lot of that doesn't get taken on board. And I think it becomes this like get on your high horse, moral high ground kind of subject a little bit where people are like, oh, you should be able to order coffee. And it's like, of course you should. That's Mm. kind of common sense. But it becomes this kind of looking down on people. And I think that's the worry for me. Ultimately, I think that when it comes to the whole idea of uh, Imogen mentioned earlier, and you mentioned earlier that learning German suddenly becomes this huge mountain that just seems impossible to ascend and therefore you don't bother uh, trying. Um, my advice probably would be, you know, think about what level, kind of level of German you you need or yeah want for what you're doing here. I remember having a roommate once who was only here for about eight months on exchange. And she went to a German class and she said, I want to be able to order a drink and I want to be able to do these very common everyday things. And she said, and I don't need more than that. I will be content with being able to do that. I personally think that given the amount of time that she was here for, that was a pretty good um, compromise. And I think that if you're kind of looking at that mountain, it might be better to have a realistic goal in mind. Mm -hmm. You know, first, just be able to handle your own affairs. Go to the doctor, go to the Bogamt. and uh, and be able to do your daily life. I don't know that you need to worry about being able to do more than that after the first few years here, or that people should necessarily expect you uh, to be to do more than that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would say try as much as possible to block out the the eternal negative voices saying that this is so hard, that the grammar is impossible. Yes, you can pour over grammar books endlessly, or you can just feel your way around and speak. And the more you kind of speak, the more these complicated rules start to feel like musical rhythms. And actually, you start to hear when it's right and when it's wrong. So please, you know, I, I totally agree about the, the deficits and sort of um, deficiencies in in language learning education and that this is a general sort of problem that people don't know how to approach. So if I can sort of encourage anyone uh, who's kind of dealing with those fears, it's not as hard as, you know, as all that. It's possible. It's possible for everyone. And it definitely makes it easier to speak German in Germany. Oh, and, yeah. and it makes you feel a bit more included in things. And, and I was thinking about what could help if you didn't have a lot of time or money. And I do think that, and I think I've mentioned it before, but joining a Verein, like a club, or doing some volunteering or something, which, okay, admittedly does take time. But the, the people I know who have picked up 
fluent German, from not going to classes. They have done it through having a bar job. Mm, mm, <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, so, you know, of course, like, yeah, get a part-time job if, if you can do Definitely. that. But if not, just kind of doing some kind of socializing. And I think, Imogen, you're totally, uh, that's a really good tip. Like, just forget about the grammar for now. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. correct. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And it, like you said, it's so rewarding. You do see a different, you have a different experience here. The world is less hostile. <laughs> Let's, uh, that's, that's my feeling. You understand things more. You can go deeper into the culture that you're living in. And that can just be a really great way to make yourself feel at home. And also understand that if you're looking at something like reading newspapers, for example, uh, different newspapers have differing degrees of, of difficulty. There are ones that are a bit simpler, like Bild or Berliner Morgenpost. And if you start getting up to Süddeutsche or Faz, that's when you really know that you have this language down. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, guys. I really enjoyed that heated debate. I think we're all profusely sweating right now because it's so hot outside and we were getting heated. <laughs> yeah, it has something to do with the booth as well. I have my fan in the corner. <laughs> yes. That's it for this week. A big thank you to all our listeners. As always, we will add links to the show notes for the stories we've been talking about today. It would really mean a lot to us if you hit follow, left a rating or a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, especially if you enjoyed it. This week's panelists have been Aaron Burnett and Imogen Goodman. Our guest was Kale Humpfner and our sound engineer is Reese Edwards. We hope you enjoyed listening and we'll be back next week. Until then, take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.